We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. Happy Friday. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Kate Smith at Kate Smith NBA over on X. See, I say it right one time and wrong the other time. That way I think I kind of balance out the universe. Um, but thank you guys for, for coming in and joining us. Quick reminder before we dive into all of our topics for today, make sure that you do subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Hit that like button as well for me we want to get this out to as many people as we can so hit that like button and then over on the podcast side apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to podcasts make sure you follow us there as well keith we got a fun show today we've got luca rosano is going to come in later and, yeah. and talk, uh, talk with us about the raptors we'll talk mavs as well and we've got a few kind of juicy news stories to get into yeah i'm excited it's uh you know it the, the league doesn't sleep now apparently like no. like it used to be right we would joke we would say nb august and it's like it's like you know yeah whatever's gonna happen now and, and now we're like news is still coming in every day and i know some people get a little little, little you know crazy with, with some of it but yeah it's uh you know at, at the expense of being um you know I, as weird as this sounds from the, the guy here on the east coast and in florida i know California actually has a real hurricane potentially mm -hmm. headed their way, which is kind of bonkers. It's not a not a common occurrence out out on that coast, but 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 we also have a, a hurricane update on on the other side of the country as well, right? That's that's right, that's right. The other side of the country, and maybe, but this hurricane could be heading to California as well. Could be. But let's 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 check on the latest. By this evening, it is in southwestern Georgia. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Thank you, man. James Harden, Hurricane Harden, uh, an update. Um, not, no, we, not an update on exactly what is going to happen with him, but because it sounds like Philly is still saying no we're not gonna we're not gonna move him right now so essentially the qualifier before we get into the actual you know news bit here the qualifier that, that philly has is in order to move james harden it must be a deal that either maintains or improves their ability to win a championship compared to with harden already on the roster i don't see how that happens how do you improve well, that doesn't make sense if you're not yeah. willing to take on long-term money that's it. It's that last part because that's the other part that seems to be like part two of any trade is it can't, uh, you know, do anything to damage our potential cap flexibility moving forward. And I don't know, you know, those things don't make sense. I, we, we don't know what the Clippers have and haven't offered, right? We, we can 
get a sense of what it probably is just from the salary matching standpoint. Mm -hmm. But if, if let's say Norman Powell is in a deal, Philly may be saying, yeah, no, because he's got money that carries uh, through for a couple more seasons beyond this one. And we, we really don't want that. And that's, to me, that starts to become, or what are we doing here? Because what what is it that you have lined up that you think you're going to pull off with salary cap, you know, space that, like, is, is that really going to happen? Like, like I'm not sure. Versus Warren Powell, who's actually a pretty good player and could, could come in and really help you kind of moving forward. I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're resetting versus rebuilding and you're kind of resetting a backcourt of Maxi Melton and Powell, that's not bad, right? That's a pretty no. good three man backcourt to move forward with. If you're not going to have James Harden in the mix, but they, I don't know that that's you know, been a hold up or been a thing. We don't even know if the Clippers are like, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, we bring James Harden in. None of these guys are a good bet to play even 50 games next season. Like we need Norman Powell, you know, so never mind all that. Uh, nonsense talk so so yeah we really don't know you know what's been offered what hasn't been offered but yeah it's going to be hard but the only kind of new news James Harden's back stateside he was in Houston at a charity event and he basically doubled down and said nah relationships broken it's not going to be repaired like it's it's not gonna you know nothing good's gonna happen here like we're we we are where we are with, with this. I want out, and you know that that's it. And I was a local Houston reporter. Um, you know, and that's not a paraphrasing or a source thing. Like he he said it. The clips all over social media. You can find it. And he basically said, "No, I'm done. Like I'm not going back to Philly." So let's see. Right, we're 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 kind of right where we were, but with you know a little bit more fuel to that to that fire to keep that burning. That he is not returning. And that's going to continue. And and again, though, it, it's going to be interesting. If the 76ers don't trade him, he kind of has to report. Like, even if he's saying, I'm done and I'm not going back to Philly, like the only thing that he would accomplish by, say, <laughs> sitting out even the whole season would be that he would be stuck still. It wouldn't change anything. Nope. Yeah. Um, so that's it, it's that's why Philly still has all the power here. But any, any, then, as Mark Stein noted today, the NBA, he thinks, is going to reopen the investigation into the 76ers and see, was there something, you know, underhanded here that took place? Was there a wink-wink deal that actually went down when James Harden curiously um, turned down more money last summer in order to give Philly uh, more, more room to operate? So that's going to be something worth watching. I don't know that anything comes of it, but all of this stuff with James Harden being so upset it begs the question, why is he so upset? Was it, did Philly promise to trade him and now he's going back on that? Or is it Philly promised to give him a max, you know, whatever contract he wanted this summer and is going back on that promise? Because that yep. could definitely raise some eyebrows in the league office. And that's from a James Harden, Philadelphia relationship standpoint. That's where it gets a little scary, I think, if you're Philly. Because the player never really gets punished in these situations because yeah. it's it's hard. Like, what, what are we really punishing the player for? 
you know, here, like if, if, you know, they, they, yeah, they did some shady stuff, but like, it's more, it's the team. That's the one who the league ends up punishing. They take draft picks away. I mean, we know, you know, this is dipping back to when we were much younger, Joe, uh, Smith. Guys, Joe Smith, right? Yeah. And they, they, the wolves really got hammered. And that was because they had agreed to a, you know, kind of um, under the table deal of like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And the league really came down on them hard. And it's, We've seen in the last couple of years, it's been, all right, you jumped the gun with negotiations. All right, we're going to find you draft picks. But they, it's second-round picks, and the teams are kind of like, eh. you know, it's it's like I always laugh. It's like the Mighty Ducks, right? Two minutes, well worth it. Well worth it, it's, yeah. You know, two seconds, well worth it. I don't care. I got, I got my guy, you know, in this case. But, you know, if James Harden, he has no reason not to be like, hey, you know what, let's light this whole thing on fire and say – Hey, just so you guys know, like when this all went on, Daryl Morey promised me a full max deal a year later. And, you know, that's, you know, I know that's illegal, but, you know, that's what he promised me. So that's why I did what I did. That could turn into a whole thing where it's like, oh, now that becomes a whole, wait a minute, you're, now you're doing shady business ahead of time and all that. We can argue how impactful is that he was already their player, he's already their free agent. I tend to think, man, it's probably not that big of a deal. And it probably happens far more than anybody realizes it happens. But Mm -hmm. it is still a thing that the league is, you know, very likely to relook into, especially if Harden comes out, you know, openly and on the record and says, yeah, hey, there was shady business and here's exactly what went down. And the other thing is he probably has some proof too, right? He might have some stuff where he's like, here are the texts, here are the emails, here's whatever, kind of laying all this out. And that's where it's then it gets really kind of, you know, interesting and kind of sideways on Philly. Yeah, that's something to, uh, well, it could be some more August and into September drama here uh, as the, the as Hurricane Harden continues to grow <laughs> in size and in strength. Um, let's jump over to the other, the other big trade that's out there. The Blazers, still not interested in trading Damian Lillard, which they could do. He's under contract. Sure. They could like it doesn't Miami can offer whatever they want. Miami could say yeah. Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler for Damian Lillard, and the Blazers could go, nope, we're not interested. Right? That yeah. that's their their. But the sense is still that at some point the Blazers are going to relent and they're going to say okay. But this is interesting that the the closer we get to training camps starting up, the more urgency there's going to be to get something done. And the, the farther this goes with the Blazers just saying, not interested, not interested, not interested, it, it, it makes this more and more of a, I mean, fascinating situation to, to watch develop because is this just the Blazers posturing for to get the deal, the exact deal that they want? Or could they just be saying, you know what? Forget it. We're not doing it. We're just not going to move them. Or does a third team jump in and yes. get him themselves? Do, do they jump in and help this deal move along? You know, does oh, that, that that's happen? the other piece that's flying around a little bit right now about the Harden situation, that he may be open to other non-Clippers teams. Sure. Yeah, and it's funny because I've seen some people like, why doesn't Portland trade for Harden? It's like, I don't think that's going to get Damian Lillard jumping for joy and like, hey, I want to no. stay forever now. So that's been a little weird. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this somehow a bunch of stuff gets folded together. I think too, there's been two, two, two points. And one, one was made by Sean Hyken, um, who covers uh, the, the trailblazers for the Rose garden report does independent work covering the trailblazers. He's, he's worked a lot of other places, but he does great work covering this team on the ground in Portland. And one of the things he brought up when somebody said is, yeah, but is Portland really going to bring Dame back? Like they're going to be bad. And his point was they can be bad with Damian litter, be bad without him. 
Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Like if he's back, they're probably not going to be very good anyway. And if he's gone, they're they're definitely not going to be very good. So they're not really worried about that part of it. The other thing I will say is, and I said this when we initially started talking about when one is like, yeah, Dame's finally ready to to be traded. I said it's important Portland gets this right because Joe Cronin can only trade Damian Lillard one time. So yeah. this is a one-time chance to get the kind of, you know, Paul he's looking for so that when he is moving this team forward, it's Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, if you consider him part of the young core, but Chris Murray, and then whatever we get. Like, this is our this is our group now moving forward for the next, you know, three, four years. This is what we're building around. He has one chance to do that, right? This is not a – you don't get a redo where it's like, oh, man, that mm-hmm. trade didn't work out. Let's do it again. So that's why it is important because I've seen a lot of, like, Portland just needs to trade him. What do they carry? He doesn't want to be there. Well, yeah, but they they, they got to get it right. Like, this is your – you know, I, I maintain – I know a lot of people don't like it. They think it's, you know, Clyde Drexler and other people. But I think Damian Lillard, because of longevity and everything else, is the best player in franchise history. Agreed. And I think, you know, trading him, that's obviously a complicated thing and it's hard. But again, you got to get it right. So that's why it's a one-time deal. Yeah, you get, you get one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. Will you capture it? Or just let <laughs> it slip. It. Um, spaghetti. <laughs> but it's, I, I mean, I, I do. I still believe that what the Blazers are the, the message they're putting out right now. But that no, we're not interested. That this is still posturing. This is still Miami. You'd better give us what you want. And if you don't have what we want, you better go get it. Because we're we're not we're not taking an offer that is below what it is that that we're asking for. But again. We talk about urgency and how that there's a reason why a lot of moves get done at the trade deadline because deadlines create urgency. I know the start of the season is going to be seen as not really a deadline, but it's going to be seen as a, as a major moment where both uh, the Blazers may be to a degree, but the, the Heat for sure are going to look at that as, hey, we want to get this started before we get into training camp, get him here, hit the ground running, not add him two three months into the season. Let's try and get this done now. So I just think the the momentum to get something done is going to pick up, but I think the Blazers are probably playing this right. Even as you know, as frustrating as it can be from a fan perspective, just do something already, right? That's that's kind of what the the refrain that I see so much in social media. But I mean, they hold the power. The Blazers have the player, and unless they see the offer that they want. They don't have to trade him. And if they want to put it out there that they don't want to trade him at all, or if they decide, hey, we don't care what he says, we're not trading, period. They can do that too. It's their decision here. Um, they hold all the power in the situation. So we'll see how, where this ultimately lands. I, I still think he ends up in Miami before the season starts. But the Blazers are, yeah. are not going to make it easy on Miami to do it. I agree. I think that's where he ends up. I, um, with you on that, you know, a hundred percent, I do have to wonder, do you think, you know, Pat Riley and staff are kind of looking at each other and Pat Riley is, uh, looking and looking at Joe Cronin and say, man, check, check, check. This kid's got alligator blood. I don't know if you know the reference or not. I don't. Um, It's from rounders. Um, it's, you know, he, he just keeps kind of checking while they're playing poker, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, well, well, one of an all-time favorite movie of mine. Um, but he is, uh, yeah. I wonder if Pat Riley's just like, all right, what are we doing? Like, he just keeps, you know, you know, kind of, you know, you know yeah, curbing us at every every turn here. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Like, well, well, where are we going? But I do think this will get done because, 
like you said, deadlines for action. We get closer to training camp. It's awkward for everybody involved. But Portland, so far, they're holding tight. And to be clear, this latest report came from Miami. This did not come out of Portland. This is not a mm-hmm. Portland-based reporter being used to you know, put the pressure on or anything like that. This did no. come out of Miami. Well, and that makes some sense. Like, if it comes out of Miami, it's Miami complaining, essentially. You know, well, sure. the Blazers, they're, bit, yeah. they're not – they're not being easy to negotiate with. They're not, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that, that can be, that it may make sense that this would be a, a Miami based uh, yeah. report, but still it do, also doesn't mean it's not true or, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing we've got before we jump over to our, our Raptors, our wrap up, I guess. Um, <laughs> Ty Ty Washington. It's been waved by the Thunder Keith. We knew this was coming. Not necessarily with Ty Ty Washington, but the Thunder, they have too many players on the roster. They've yep. got to start start trimming this down. And uh, Ty Ty Washington, apparently now a, a casualty here uh, and will hit the free agent market. Yeah, the Thunder are now plus four going into this afternoon. Before Ty Ty Washington was waived, they were plus five in standard contracts. They had 20 guys on standard deals, uh, then just one player on a two-way. You could carry 21 players in the offseason, but this is designed around, all right, we're getting back into regular season roster compliance. Now, from a cap perspective, not massive. This is only uh, the Raptor, or excuse me, the Raptors. See, now I'm doing it too. Uh, <laughs> the Thunder are, um, you know, uh, are eating only about $2.3 million right now. And we'll see, you know, I, I, and I tweeted this Teams should be more aggressive about claiming players off waivers. In my opinion, especially young guys who are under contract for a while. So maybe somebody jumps in and says, Hey, we'll bring Ty Ty Washington in and go. Uh, but for now, we'll see if that becomes you know, a whole thing of now nah, we're just going to, we're, we're going to let this one roll because we're, we're not in a spot where we want to bring this guy in and kind of go from there. So that that's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, where, where this one goes, but yeah, the thunder, I mean, four more guys got to go. And there's it, a lot of times you get down to this point, it's like, all right, that's an easy waiver. That's an easy waiver. Yeah. And you're moving on these, none of these are easy cuts because it's either guaranteed money or their players, quite frankly, that, that, okay. Oklahoma city likes and would rather keep, but first uh, domino to fall, Ty Ty Washington uh, go, goes, uh, goes away from the thunder. The, um, the perils of having too many draft picks. Yeah. It can happen. What can yeah. happen? I mean, we um, kind of saw it earlier, right? With the Rockets this offseason, mm-hmm. they traded, oddly enough, Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba. We're now sitting on the Thunder, or Garuba still is at least, because the Rockets were in a similar type position of, yeah, we don't really have enough roster spots because we're signing a bunch of guys. We have all these guys, and they drafted seven players in the first round over three years. And that's, it's just too many, right? That's the, that it sounds awesome to have all these draft picks until it's like, oh crap, we got to use them all, right? Then it's like, what are we going to do, especially with the first rounders? You know, that yeah. becomes a problem. Now, OKC has been better in the last couple of drafts about being aggressive and moving picks and moving up to go get guys that they want. That's worked out good for them. So, so we'll see if that continues to be a strategy. But for now, you know, yeah, we're going to see some guys that probably should be on rosters and guys I think they'd rather keep got to go because. You know, you've got other guys. Now, it's a good problem to have because you've got other guys you like even more. Um, so that's not a bad thing. It's by no means a bad place to be in. But this is you know, one of the downsides to having, you know, 100 draft picks is you can't possibly use them all. I mean, even if you do, you can't pay everybody. 
you know, eventually, you know, something comes, comes due where you got to move on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump over to our, uh, our Raptors talk with, uh, with Luca Rosano. Let's jump into the Toronto Raptors as we continue our series, breaking down the off seasons of every NBA team. Joining us from Raptors Nation is Luca Rosano. Luca, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Big fan of the show. Glad to have you on. Glad to have you on to talk a little bit about these Raptors and the offseason they had. You know, Luca, we talk about this all the time on the show, that the Raptors feel like they've been perpetually that team that's on the cusp of blowing everything up, of potentially making these big moves at the trade deadline or in the offseason. And then the moves just never really materialize what's your thought been on overall on the lakers or on the raptors see i'm stuck in lakers mode <laughs> on, the, on the raptors off season and uh and what they've been doing and maybe what they haven't been doing as well yeah i thought the final nail in the coffin uh would have been fred van vliet leaving to the houston rockets for that lucrative deal i thought that was going to finally signal the Raptors embracing a rebuild and finally committing to that direction. And the best way I can sum up the Raptors offseason is I've liked what they've done with their individual moves, but in terms of their overall direction, it's still unclear what they're trying to accomplish. And for that reason, the Raptors, unfortunately, are still stuck in the middle. You don't know if this team is willing to go for it, uh, nor do you know if they're going to finally blow it up and build around Scotty Barnes. I've been more inclined to that approach, but the Raptors, they seem satisfied with the roster as constructed, barring any last minute deals of, you know, a potential Siakam deal that could come out of nowhere. It looks like this will be the roster that goes forward. And you just got to ask yourself, is this team good enough to make any noise in the East? I, I really just see the Raptors being again, a middle of the pack team, similar to last season. You can argue they've gotten worse because they lost their all-star and got nothing back in return for him. And then, of course, they got some other big decisions that they're going to have to make. OJ Anobi, he's soon going to be contract extension eligible. Siakam, if you don't trade him, uh, nor if you don't you know, extend him, he can leave for nothing next summer. And you could be in the exact same situation with, uh, with Siakam that you found yourself with Fred. So, yeah, Trevor, just from my perspective, it's just been uh, a little, I want to say, confusing what this team has up their sleeve because – it just seems like the blueprint is in front of them, but they still haven't made a concrete decision on how they want to proceed. Well, that that Keith, that's actually that that makes me feel better because me too. coming from the from the Raptors perspective, they don't know what, what exactly is going on. Because Keith, you and I have been confused too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is you know kind of mirrors like it's funny. I I I have run into very few Raptors fans out there and there's a lot of them and they're quite loud on social media that have said, you know, yeah, I, I disagree. You know, we have a clear direction and all that. Like they seem as confused as anybody else does. Uh, I think some of the ones who are uh, being extremely like honest are, they're quite frankly a little sad, right? Cause it feels like we had this run and we won a title and it looked like we were set up after and things didn't go quite as well. And, and part of that, you can't really blame them for, I mean, no, the pandemic season was a mess. They were the only team the next year that never went back home. They, they spent that whole year in Tampa. The wheels came off. Now the fortunate thing was that allowed him to get Scotty Barnes and he you know should be a building block moving forward, but he wasn't 
didn't take that second year leap that I think a lot of us hoped he would. Now you're dealing with the Siakam stuff, the Ananobi stuff. As Lucas said, you lost Van Vliet for nothing. It's funny though, Luke, I'm with you exactly with what you said on you like the individual moves, but it's the kind of overall that leaves you kind of feeling like, like where are we going? Because the selection of Grady Dick, fine. Good pick where they got him. I think that that's a good good selection. I think he's going to give them really good shooting um, on the wing. I think he could do a little bit more than just shoot. I think people who are kind of pigeonholing him as just a shooter are going to find out. He can actually do some stuff with the ball in his hands. He can defend. He's a little more athletic than I think people maybe think he is. The Jalen McDaniel sign signing I think is a good one in a vacuum. My problem is okay, did this team need another guy who's like six foot nine, six foot ten? That's a questionable shooter. Probably not. Um, but the value is fine. The Dennis Schroeder signing, absolutely fine. Um, they really needed a point guard badly. Uh, so you know, getting him, you know, to come in and is good. Garrett Temple, and eh, you know, I, I don't who knows if he'll even make the roster. We we don't know um with that. But for me, it's the whole, you know. Losing Van Vliet because the rest of the guys they lost. I like Dallin O'Banton. I, I think he can actually play. I, I think there's a chance he may develop into being an, an okay uh, backup player in the league. Uh, Joe Wieskamp's nothing. And Will Barton was cooked, right? He just had nothing left. It looked like last year. So Van Vliet's a big one, but that's a huge one. And then it's the guys they didn't lose. Didn't lose Siakam, didn't lose Ananobi, didn't move on from them. So it just leaves you kind of in this confusing spot of like, where are we going when they re-signed Jakob Pertl, uh, Gary Trent Jr. opted in and he's still around. It's just a very weird uh, position for the Raptors. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a strange spot to be in. Luca, where where do they where do they go from here? I mean, like, I like obviously I like Dennis Schroeder, right? He had a good season for the, for the Lakers last year and he got money here, but it, all of it, it just feels like Hey, let's do what we can to tread water. Is there a path to either make the move that puts you into the mix in the East or go the other direction, blow it up, bottom out and, and get and rebuild? Is there a realistic path or are they just kind of stuck? Well, that's the confusing part because if the Raptors did want to try to go for it, their most valuable asset outside of Siakam is a young player in Scotty Barnes, but they have been reluctant to include him in any sort of trade talks. This stems back to last summer when the whole KD saga was going on. So you've already decided that Barnes isn't going anywhere, which is the right decision. You definitely want to keep him. He still has a tremendously bright future ahead of him. But then at the same time, you're, you haven't shown a commitment to in, uh, building around him and, and and really going with the notion that this is going to be Scotty Barnes's team because, of course, you still have Siakam and you haven't traded Siakam yet. Of course, the Raptors, we learned uh, not too long ago, they did shut down that deal from Atlanta, and I wasn't a big fan of that package because I always said if the Raptors are going to trade Siakam, you want to get a guard prospect back. And, uh, you know, Atlanta didn't include Kobe Bufkin in that deal, but we'll see what other deals come up. But like the, the tricky part of this whole thing is Siakam came out and said that he wants to be in Toronto. So is the team really going to give the Raptors what they want for essentially an expiring deal? Because if Siakam doesn't verbally commit to signing to that team, then why is that team going to go all in and trade Siakam? So that's why the Raptors are kind of stuck here because they haven't, necessarily shown interest yet to extend Siakam. Siakam's obviously going to hold out so he could potentially make the All-NBA team so then he can earn the Supermax this summer. But at the same time, yeah, the Raptors, I don't know what the, the market's going to look like for them. Maybe as we get closer to the trade deadline, there's a team that 
does decide that they're Siakam away from winning the championship. So they do get desperate and going all in on a deal, even if they don't have Siakam's verbal commitment to a long-term contract. And then maybe the Raptors can strike hot then. But the Raptors track record at the deadline, it hasn't been really great. This is a team that has been patient more times than not. Last deadline, it looked like all arrows were pointing to this team finally being uh, you know, a, a seller and trading some of their assets. Fran Vliet's name was hot on the rumor mill, but what did the Raptors do? They went the other way. They bought, they got Jakob Pertl, they surrendered their 2024 first round pick, which is top six protected to San Antonio, but then that forced the Raptors to bring Pertl back this summer because there was no way you could lose Pertl for nothing after trading your 2024 first round pick for him. So this just stems back to a lot of questionable decisions, not having a clear direction from the start and, uh, yeah, to answer your question, Trevor, where do they go from here? I think the Raptors at this point, I don't see them making a big move. They're going to run things as is, hope for the best. If they overachieve, I can just see them running this thing through. But if uh, things hit the fan once again, and let's just say this team finds themselves in a similar position they were last season, as we approach the trade deadline, I think at that point, it's a no-brainer that you got to do whatever it takes to try to get some package for Siakam at that time, or else, yeah, you're going to run the risk of, potentially losing him for nothing in that 2024 summer. I know he said he wants to be here, but money talks. And look at Fred. Nobody expected Fred to get that type of money from Houston. The Raptors thought Fred was going to be back, and now he's uh, he's a member of the Rockets. Yeah, my issue with the Siakam part of this is if he wants to be there, why is he not just signing an extension, right? Like, and I get it. I think he wants to experience free agency for the first time because he hasn't yet, right? He came in on his rookie deal, extended his rookie scale deal, and now he's you know coming into this part of his career. So I think that's probably a part of it. And I don't begrudge that at all. But if you're like <clears throat> making it, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to be in Toronto, just extend, right? Then just yeah. you know, do do the extension. So I kind of get it. OG Ananobi, I can kind of understand why maybe he doesn't want to extend. His contract is so low. It may not be enough for him to extend. I think people have gone a little too far with, with you know, OG Ananobi in the past calling him a – I've seen some people say, well, he could get, you know, a near-max guy. Well, yeah, if that's going to happen, he's going to have to score 20-plus points per game this year and keep up all NBA-level defense, and that's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, both of those things. So I think, you know, 25 million a year. Yeah, that's probably in range. And maybe that is enough for him to extend. And, you know, but I can understand why he may not want to. But then after that, it becomes, all right, where are we going? Because then it's our only guys of real note that are kind of locked up long term are Scotty Barnes on his rookie deal, Grady Dick on his rookie deal, and Jakob Pertl, who's resigned. Everybody else, you know, it's a couple, it's a year or two. Uh, left for them so that's kind of you know in a weird spot to be with this team and you know by all accounts it sounds like you know Masai Ujiri like he is always dumb when he ran Denver now running the Raptors has been very uh tough in his negotiations he tells teams hey if we're gonna make a deal I need you know x y and z and then the team finally kind of caves and comes back and he's like actually I also need a b and c too and then that's when teams get frustrated and we like, live hey, in a different on. world than we did 30 seconds ago <laughs> that's it right <laughs> you know but I, I know teams get frustrated with that at times and that's been been part of the issue now 
he's generally done fairly well in trades. So I think, you know, that has worked for him. But yeah, you, what you cannot have happen if you're Toronto, and you're going to have to start to ask major questions is have another not great season, right? Even if you make the playoffs, but you're in there as a playing team, you know, six, seven, eight seed in that range if you got all the way in, but you're out easy in the first round or worse. And then you lose Siakam for nothing this summer or lose Ananobi for nothing. Yeah, we, there has to be serious conversations had about where are we going as a franchise. And that's tough because they've obviously committed to Masai Ujiri is more than just, I think, a lot of people. Luke, I know you know this, covering the team. But he's a lot more than just kind of the Raptor, Raptors general manager. Right. Like, like he, he's a lot more involved in the entire organization yeah. and the entire, you know, uh, you know, company than I think, you know, a lot of people realize that Bobby Webster does a lot of the day to day um, running of the Raptors basketball ops. So I think we're just in a spot where, you know, th things are just a little messy and a little confusing right now. And that's left the Raptors kind of in, in the middle, which is where you really don't want to be. Luca, let me ask you this to get, get your opinion. Keith, Keith and I have talked about this a bit. Has the current state of the Raptors, does that take some of the the luster off of Masai Ujiri, who is, who is largely seen as one of, if not the best GMs, whatever they want to call the position. I know they have different names for the position, you know, but the chief decision maker, has this taken some of the, the shine off of Ujiri, the current uh, situation that the Raptors are in, or is he still, you know, just as as much of a, of a an incredible executive as as ever we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, uh, if anything's ever going to give somebody a more of a shelf life, it's if you perform and bring a championship to the team. Yes. And, you know, that 2019 championship, no matter what happens from here on out the raptors will always have that and ujury has done a lot of good things um you know in the past when you look at obviously getting rid of andrea bargnani and 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 getting a package from the knicks and then one of those picks ended up being yaka purtle which then later was flipped over in the Kawhi leonard deal and then of course we know how the Kawhi leonard deal went for the raptors they won the championship I, i'll say this I, I still think he's looked at for being a, a huge decision maker and the aura the luster is still there but Fans' patience, as we know, in this sport or any sport, it's, it's starting to run out because, you know, people forget what you've done last year, the year before that, and they look at what you're currently doing. And for the Raptors, this is a team that they've missed the playoffs two of the last three seasons. Uh, this is a team that continuously 
a neglects decisions that need to be made in terms of like setting up the big picture of things. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a very telling season. I agree with Keith. Like if the Raptors go into the season after another underwhelming off season in terms of like, you know, you not picking a direction and you losing Van Vliet. And then let's just say you have a subpar season and then you go into next summer with Siakam uh, as an unrestricted free agent with an opportunity that, you know, he leaves for nothing as well. Like, then that's when I think, okay, it doesn't matter what he's done in the past. Like, yeah, Ujiri's definitely going to be under hot water then. And uh, I think the last couple of years have, have really, you know, put the pressure on, um, again, for just some of the moves and, and decisions that you thought were there to be had. But it just seems like the Raptors, for whatever reason, they just remain patient. But sometimes, you know, that patience, it, it, it turns back and, uh, and bites them. You know, that would be devastating uh, if, you know, after telling, after making it known that he won't extend with any team that trades for him, I'm talking about Pascal Siakam, if he were to then walk away from the Raptors after effectively kind of killing his own trade market and then walk to another team, that would be absolutely devastating and I think would would bother a lot of people in, in Toronto if that was ultimately the way this goes down. And I mean, the Raptors have got to be careful and protect them. So, yeah, as much as, you know, Siakam saying he loves the Raptors and he wants to stay, and, and that, that's great. But then let's talk about getting an extension done or something because that would be a nightmare scenario for Toronto. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's spot on with, with that. And I would say, you know, if you're Toronto, maybe you're trying to thread the needle, play the game of, hey, maybe some team gets desperate enough to really give a ton for him. And maybe that's something where, hey, if we have to play, you know, half our schedule, a little bit more, you know, three, three-fifths three of our schedule with him, and then we make the trade, you know, when then, then we do it by the trade deadline, so be it. You know, maybe some team is really like, what we really need is a four um, who can put us over the top. Here's, you know, everything, and we're making a title run, so we don't really care if he'll extend or not. That's going to be kind of your hope is some teams yeah. going to overlook all that, you know, or, you know, maybe your hope is, Hey, everything just comes together perfectly and we're, we're ready to go. And we, we play great, you know, we're, we're everything we kind of envisioned becoming and, you know, off we go with this. So Luke, yeah. I know you, you got to run. So I want to get you out yep. of here on this one. This team has been very flexible with their lineups. Fred Van Vliet's out of the picture now. Um, he had been kind of locked in as a starter at the one. Do you think they do go super big and start Pirtle, Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes, and Trent? Or do Ooh. you think they shuffle one of those guys to the bench and start Dennis Schroeder? Where do you think they're going to head? Where I think they're going to head is actually what I want to see. I want to see Point Scotty get some runtime here at Point, and I want them to actually experiment with that big lineup. Like people forget, Scotty Barnes, like he sees himself as a point guard. Uh, he he's shown us so many good things at that position. Obviously, he's got to get better with the pick and roll. But Darko Ryakovich, he's the apparent expert when it comes to the pick and roll. So like that's one of the things that I'm personally looking forward to is the younger players on this team, especially Scotty Barnes's development under a development first coach in Darko Ryakovich. Uh, the other thing, if the Raptors do go with that big lineup is Scotty Barnes has to show that he's gotten better with that jump shot, because obviously if you're going to play point, you're going to have to, you know, hit your shots, hit the three Scotty Barnes's numbers in both those categories dip from his rookie season. But if Barnes can up that three point percentage to about, you know, just over 35% and his field goal percentage to just over 50%, I think there's a lot of, uh, 
you know, creativity that could be had with a big lineup with Scotty running the point. And, you know, you have Siakam, you have Pirtle, you have Gary Trent Jr., who I do think would excel in a starting role. You know, one of the drifts he had with Nick Nurse was that he didn't really have a true identity on that team. And then after falling to the bench, there was obviously some rub between them. Gary Trent Jr., I think, is going to benefit from having a new head coach as well. And, you know, if the Raptors do grant him that starting role, I think he'll make the most out of it. And if Scotty Barnes does get that starting role, here's the thing. The Raptors are finally going to have a legitimate backup point guard for the first time in a while. <laughs> They're going to have Dennis Schroeder come off the bench. And we've seen Schroeder. Like, he's like, you you know, Trevor, you're familiar with him. Like, he uh-huh. can come into a game and, and, and make an impact. So I really like the idea of trying it out. And Scotty Barnes has shown that he can run the port of, uh, point effectively in bunches, in flashes. So, you know what? At this point, why not? Let it go. See how uh, you know. See how it fares, and uh, the Raptors could potentially come up with something creative. With like I said, Darko running the show, and and, and Scotty being the uh, the point guard. Very Love interesting. It. Yeah, that, we'll see what what they ultimately do there. It, it, it's always fun to think about that, especially the supersized lineups. It's just, it's it could be really exciting to see. And Scotty Barnes, maybe that's the next step forward in terms of his development as a player. Uh, Luca. This was great. Thank you so much for for coming on here and helping us uh, break down the Raptors. Uh, where where can everybody find you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. This was a blast. You can check out Raptors Nation on YouTube. Uh, RaptorsNation.com is the username. And then, of course, you can find all our Raptors articles on RaptorsNation.com. Our social channels will be coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. But, uh, yeah, all things Raptors all season, definitely tune into Raptors Nation. All right, guys, go check that out, youtube.com slash raptorsnation.com. And, of course, go follow Luca himself, Luca Rosano 3 over on X. You can find him over there. Luca, again, thank you so much. I know you got to run. Uh, appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Luca. Thanks, guys. All right, Keith, it's on. To the Toronto or to the, to the Toronto. I'm saying the wrong. Today is my wrong team name. Yeah, day, apparently, apparently you're one team off. That's all you know right. what we'll it. You know what it is. So I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the Nets when they did their schedule release, they parodied <laughs> what the Titans did, did yeah. where they, and they came fun. up with all these great wrong names. And so I've got wrong names on the mind on my mind. There I've been thinking go. about like if we were to change the name of every team, what would their secondary name be? Like what would they come up with? You know. I don't know why. It's it, that's dumb August thoughts, but I have wrong team names on my mind, and so apparently that's just it just leaking through in what I'm talking about here. <laughs> All right, before we get into the Mavs, I'm going to give you my 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 thing. I want the NBA to do. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. All right. I want them to when the um, Sonics come back, right? They they come back as the Sonics. I want them to give the Grizzlies nickname to the U to Utah. They can uh-huh. be the Utah Grizzlies. They, there have been some reports that there have been sightings of grizzly bears in the state of Utah again. There's certainly none in Memphis, right? There, there's there's no grizzly bears in Memphis. Then right. you give the Jazz name back to New Orleans. They become the New Orleans Jazz. Okay. And Memphis, whose color scheme already fits this, becomes the Memphis Blues. That that that's my that that's my 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 dumb August thought for about a decade now I think. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever the Pelicans came into being, I was like, "This is silly. Let's just give you know more nicknames that make more sense." 
that that does make sense i mean we think about um is the the um the will ferrell movie with the flint tropics yeah like flint michigan tropics sure. you know um that like that's <laughs> or like basketball says when the minneapolis lakers move to los angeles where there are no lakes where there are no lakes. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, and that's just what the NBA has become known for. Like teams sure. move and they keep yeah. the name and then the name doesn't make sense yeah. for that, um, for that region anymore. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's semi-pro was the name of the movie, yes. but um, it, it's, it's funny. And I, I don't think the NBA has any appetite for actually no. switching up just because it's, yeah. it's an ordeal. You have to, you know, rebranding yeah. everything and uh, every, all the logistics that go along yeah. with changing a name. That's a hassle. Nobody wants to go through all of that. And so, and there's already that built-in fan base that's been calling it one name for so long. Unless you have to do it, it's it's difficult to to go through that process. But I think you're right. Like long term, if you were to make that kind of a change, suddenly everything would make more sense. But but then, if we really want to take team names that don't make sense and change them, like like the Lakers, like you said, that team name doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are some lakes in California, but it's not like when they were in. Minnesota, like you said, the, the Grizzlies is another one. There's plenty of team teams that don't make sense where we could change them up and we could have a little fun with it. If so, all right, we're into nonsense now. We now will we're get in the into the Mavericks in a minute. It wasn't the intention. If you were, if the NBA said, you know what, the Lakers is reverting back to Minnesota, they're going to be the Minnesota Lakers again, mm-hmm. or Minneapolis, or whatever they wanted to call them, and you have you have to come up with a new theme name a new name that fits los angeles what would you have you ever thought about like what would it be like what would you that call fits it? los angeles or los angeles southern california hollywood southern california yeah i i mean like we think about the sunshine we think about the beach something like the waves something that has to do with yeah. with that like the LA waves. I don't I And I mentioned, I seem to recall there was like a semi-pro soccer team or something at one point Maybe. that was like the breakers or something like yeah, that. Anyway, yeah. there, so, there was a Boston women's team was the Boston breakers. Yeah. So there's, the- there's some stuff. There, there's some things that we could go to there. Um, but yeah, something like that. Like I guess the waves would make sense. Then you're at least you're, you're staying aquatic here. You're just sure. going from lakes to, to ocean there you go. and then, uh, and then you go from there. So, yeah, maybe that's right. something that work. I'd have to really put some thought into it, though. Now, somebody who just like fast forward is like, "What does this have to do with the Dallas Mavericks? Like, like what, what is happening? Where, where are we going with this?" So, Mavericks, right, well, by the Mavs. way, still works. Still works for Dallas. Um, yeah. Keith, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about the Mavs here because Me too. I looked at what they did uh, this summer, and especially I look at what they did draft night, and I thought they had a really strong night. I still don't know if they've actually. Um, made the the appropriate changes here that they need to in order to like contend. They haven't added the piece that we need to see just yet. We'll mm-hmm. we'll see if that winds up being Kyrie or not. But I do I did like a lot of what they did, especially on on draft night with moving back and still getting their guy. Yeah, if if we we just start there, yeah, you know, moving back, getting Derek Lively, uh, getting Rashawn Holmes ultimately is the result of all that shuffling around, and also picking up Olivia Maxence Prosper. That's huge for for them. They you know did this team, 
if you're going to be successful with Luca, you need to add two things around him that shooting and defense. Ideally you'd get some of the, those two things from, you know, individual players. Like one guy would give you three and D type capabilities. But if you're not going to get that, then you need to add guys who, who excel individually. And I think Derek lively, I think give him you know, a year to really get used to the NBA. I think he's going to be a top tier defensive center. I think he has all the skills that show he can really do that. I think he'll be, good offensively you know really let's face it what do you got to do if you're Derek Lively run the floor really hard uh for lobs and set screens and then be big around the rim and Luca will find you right you'll 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 have a 10-year career just doing that uh Max Sense Pro or I oh man I'm gonna do that all year I want to call him Max Sense Prosper because it feels like that's where the hyphen should be right but Olivier Max Sense Prosper or OMP as many have started uh abbreviating that's much easier yeah, right. I think he's <laughs> going to be their uh, potential down the line. That's like the Dorian Finney-Smith replacement down the line. I think that's what they hope he develops into is kind of that, uh, you know, shooting and defensive-minded big forward who can, you know, play both forward spots, switch out and kind of hold his own, and even switch on to some bigs and hold his own. And Rashawn Holmes, getting him in that same uh, transaction. Let's see. Rashawn Holmes is somebody we all liked a couple years ago and thought was pretty good. And then he's kind of fallen off the last couple of years uh, with the Kings and didn't really have much of a role in last year's Kings team, but there's still a lot of talent there. It sounds like everything in his personal life is now squared away. It sounds like, unfortunately he went through a lot of things he shouldn't have had to go through. Um, seems like he was put in a difficult position, um, you know, with some stuff and now, you know, here we are. So hopefully he's ready to go too. And, and, you know, that that's, you know, just that transaction because they did other stuff too, but just that transaction. I really like it for the Mavs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I thought that was a, that made a lot of sense for them. Uh, and then look, anytime you can add shooting around Luca, you know, getting Seth Curry, uh, yeah. that, that's obviously going to help Dante Axel. I'm really curious to see how he does um, yeah. coming back in and what he can do with, with this team. But um, yeah, it's kind of this year's version of Frank Nilakina, right? Where yeah. it was, they got Nilakina back in, kind of you know played him into a, at least a you know semi playable backup guard. You know maybe Exum can get there. I know some people are you know higher on him than that. They think he can be more than that. And then adding Grant Williams was a really yeah. I think solid addition. I I'm a big Grant Williams fan. I think you know anytime you have a guy who can credibly defend the four and the five, can switch on to you know just about any three, and really you know knocks it down. He he can really really shoot the ball. I mean he is a very good shooter. He's, he's a smart player. He can pass. I think he's going to be a great fit. He he is their immediate Dorian Finney Smith replacement. I think he'll start uh, from day one at the four with this team around probably likely Dwight Powell right because they re-signed him mm -hmm. and he'll he'll be the other starter and that they'll they'll move forward with those two guys as they're starting front court as the they, the younger players develop or behind them and uh you'll kind of grow into whatever the roles are going to be but I think that Grant Williams acquisition was a really good and a really smart one for Dallas because that gives now Luca and a re-signed Kyrie Irving when they drive the ball into the middle they have somebody they can kick to that you feel pretty confident is going to knock down the shots because that's what Grant has done at a very high rate throughout most of his career. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be that's a nice addition for them. Um, again, I don't know if that's the piece that puts them over the top. Probably not, but sure. but I think they have. I think this team is improved even with Christian Wood being on the way out. It clearly something wasn't working with Christian Wood and the Mavs uh, and the coaching staff there just was not clicking. Even though he put up. 
pretty decent numbers, but he will be on his way out. I know Mavs fans are still holding out hope that there's a sign and trade with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I just so. don't see it. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Like we're just in a in a spot where it's probably not going to be a thing that's going to happen. I, I don't think there's anything that makes you know necessarily makes sense there. You know, in a sign and trade, I think we've talked about it quite a bit when we talked Christian Wood specifically. Um, that's probably a minimum signing somewhere, and and they mm-hmm. kind of go go from there with that. Uh, one one thing I will say with with this one is, um, let's get into Kyrie for a minute, right? Yeah. So Kyrie did not get the max in terms of salary or in terms of years signed a three-year 120 million dollar uh deal uh 37 million this year 40 million next year 43 million the year after that final year is a player option so dallas is i think the mavs did a really nice job of kind of splitting the difference on this you were never getting him on any kind of crazy deal you know whereas like 20 million or less um or he would have just left and not giving him a full net max, I think, is smart on the Mavs part. Just kind of considering sure. where things have gone with Kyrie over the last, uh, you know, uh, let, let's say his last three stops and the last couple of years, uh, both on and off the court. On the court, can't stay healthy. Off the court, we know he's had some of those issues. So I think Dallas did a good job here of you know kind of protecting themselves and putting themselves in a place where if we need to get out of this forty you know million or so next season, we can just trade him and move on and be done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that I think that was a nice bit of work there by them. Um, last thing that I've got here on on the Mavs for, for my side, JaVale McGee. Keep an eye here. Um, rumor came out about a month ago that he's probably not going to be with the Mavs to start the year. We don't know if that means he's going to be put into a trade. Of course, everybody's still waiting for Damian Lillard and James Harden. Who knows? Or if they're just going to waive him. But they just signed him last summer. But again, report about a month ago was that uh, his time in Dallas is done. So something to keep an eye out for. JaVale McGee and Tim Hardaway Jr. combined $23.6 million in tradable salary. Just saying, yep. and only $22 million next year because both of them are on uh, fairly reasonable contracts. So something to keep an eye on for sure uh, with those guys where, you know, there, there, there could definitely be be something coming. And then the last thing I'll add for this team, kind of unfinished business in the offseason, Josh Green, you know, potential contract yes. extension for him. Um, we'll, we'll see. He's uh, getting ready to play in the Olympics with uh, Australia, and we'll we'll see you know, what that looks like and you know where that comes. But my guess is he he would definitely like to get something done and and uh, get get a uh, extension inked so that he can uh, you know move forward, knowing he's he's uh, under contract with Dallas, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. But it it's. I think this team will be better than they were a year ago, but that's mm-hmm. because they were so disappointing a year ago. I think just, you know, better health from some of their key guys. I know some people are like, I don't know, the Irving Doncic thing was weird last year. It was such a small sample size. So who really knows if it, you know, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Um, you know, if it's bad, all right, then, you know, we, maybe we should have known, uh, but I, I think this team's going to end up being pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think they will. Uh, and it'll be one of, it seems like every team in the West that has a, a real shot, with the exception of maybe a few, a real shot of being a, a playoff team. I think they'll be right there. Of course, they infamously tanked at the end of last season. I don't expect that to happen two seasons in a row. <laughs> yeah. I would expect that uh, that Luca, Kyrie, and company will be in the postseason. Um, Keith, I think that about wraps things up for the double Luca episode. That's we right. Luka, we had a double Luca. We talked. We got. Nation. We had Luca Rosano. Yeah. 
and, and then uh, and then Luka Doncic from the uh, from the the Mavs. So we got to talk about both. Uh, but uh, good way to finish up the week. Good way yeah. to finish up the weekend to talk about two teams that we we really enjoy the Raptors and and the Mavs. Some interesting stuff to get into there. So good way to finish things off. Uh, everybody have a wonderful weekend. And thank you guys for joining the show. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Follow us over on uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.